Hi, I'm Kevin, and welcome to my podcast, Finding My Freedom, where I talk about my upbringing and the struggles I had with playing music for a living, and then quitting, and then starting back up again. And at the same time, the universe decided it was time for me to wake up. So I thought sharing my story would help me heal. And if any of this resonates, you are not alone. And feel free to uh, drop me an email. So I wanted to begin um, this episode with talking about my stepfather and my relationship with the church. So my mom met my stepdad when I was about seven and they were married within a relatively short period of time. And I don't remember exactly why, but I do remember that I liked the guy at first. Seemed like he was all right. So they got married and um, he had two daughters and a son from a previous marriage. And so they would come over every other weekend and that was sort of the deal. And they had a son, my little brother, and he's 12 years younger than me. So whenever the kids came over, um, me and my sister, we would always get put sort of on the back burner. And I don't know if it was just because, you know, they would come every other weekend and he felt like he had to spend more time and attention with them. It just seemed like me and my sister were put to work and they were just able to chill out. Then it would just get gradually worse and worse. And he started being a little bit nicer to my sister. And then when I was around 10, I started getting singled out. And uh, life was pretty sucky, you know. Mom would work on the weekends sometimes. And as soon as that car would leave the driveway, you'd hear him yell, Kevin! And it was time for me to go to work, basically. Plus, he would do odd jobs on the weekends, like deliver papers and stuff. And so, I would help him do that, too, on Saturday nights. And as I got older, we really didn't talk much. It escalated to the point when I was about 15, where I absolutely hated the dude. Like, hated him. Like, didn't even want to be in the same room with him. Him and my sister got along pretty well, way better than me and him did. And um, one of the worst things that uh, he would tell me was, you know, I'm harder on you because I expect more from you. I thought, what a load of crap, man. He's harder on me because it's free labor. (laughs) Even his own mother was telling him he needs to chill out, man, because he was just too rough on me. So I just stayed up in my room and avoided him as much as I could. And then they divorced when I was about 15. But luckily I was close with my aunts and uncles. And they would come pick me up on the weekends most of the time. And so I'd go and uh, hang out with them and and enjoy the weekends. And just dread coming back to the house uh, Sunday night. Now, an odd thing happened after they got divorced. It was a couple years down the road, and uh, me and him started talking again. 
we actually got very, very close. So even through all that crap, we were still able to mend our relationship and become friends. He passed away in 2016 from uh, COPD. The family called me and let me know that uh, he was probably going to pass away so that I needed to get up there. So I came up as soon as I could and spent a little bit of time with him. And he passed away a couple days later. But the biggest thing and the most important thing for me was that, you know, we were able to look past all of the stuff from when I was a child and um, heal the relationship, you know. I'm pretty proud of that. church when I was a kid um, mom used to take us I think from like the second grade up until probably the fifth grade and uh, from when she had us going I don't remember a whole lot other than just going on Sundays and sitting next to mom and you know being bored off my mind and then when I was about ten mom said hey if you don't want to go, you don't have to go. It was one of them things where she wanted to at least expose us, get us familiar with Christianity, and she said you can uh, make your own decision with that. I was going to a Assembly of God church, and when they pray and have their services, they do not sit still. <laughs> it was kind of interesting. They had a a youth group that I was involved with at the time. And every Wednesday we'd go to the youth group and then have church on Sunday. And I did that for a while. Then uh, church camp came. I was 13 and uh, it was like a week where uh, we all went to like a campground and they had cabins and fit a bunch of us in these little cabins and I was just thinking about how to describe it and uh, if you ever seen that movie Friday the 13th in those little cabins it's kind of what it reminded me of <laughs> so we were going to the services and having a pretty good time at the camp I got pretty homesick to be honest but uh, we were on the home stretch I think it was Saturday evening service and we were going to be heading out sometime that next day. The pastor was talking about how people were being moved by God and if you hear people talking and you can't understand the language that they're speaking it was called talking in tongues and um, it was perfectly normal and don't be alarmed and a lot of times they'll have you go up to the front and and there would be several people that would put their hand on your shoulder and pray with you and so I went up to the front and there was several people that would like put their hand on my shoulder and was praying with me and, and all that stuff and mind you I'm 13 years old I'm a 13 year old kid 
And well, things got pretty intense. I mean, I could feel the energy in the room, and it was an incredibly intense feeling. I could feel the energy, and I don't remember what I was saying or how I was doing it, but they all said that God was with me. But um, after that happened, I really didn't want nothing to do with the church anymore. It scared the crap out of me. So even though I wasn't directly pressured, it still felt like, you know, like uh, indirectly pressured. And I did not like the feeling after that. And so I took a break for a few years. I didn't go back until I believe I was 15. And um, me and a buddy were playing guitar for about a year. And um, we were able to play in the youth group band. And so I did that till I was about 17, I think, and then I was done with it. I had grown my hair long, and the pastor had known me for a while, but I felt like he was judging me by my appearance. So I was done with it. I was absolutely done with it. But thankfully, it was my decision to make, and I made it. Throughout all this, though, I had a couple of very positive things happen. Um, band. Band was great. I really enjoyed that. And seventh grade, I started wrestling. And the way that I ended up doing that was our gym teacher was like, we're going to separate the basketball players from the wrestlers. And uh, I couldn't make a basket, so <laughs> sent me over to the wrestling thing. <laughs> So I was kind of bored, and I thought, well, I'll give it a try and see how it is. And it made a huge, huge positive impact in my life. One of the coaches was our gym teacher, and the other coach was our math teacher. The practices were brutal, but after we were done, I felt like I accomplished something. And they would reinforce the fact that, yeah, it's hard work. Yes, it's brutal. Yes, it's tough. But... When it's all said and done, if you're not giving it 100%, you're going to cheat yourself and you're probably going to lose. So suck it up, buttercup, and get to work. And I wrestled from 7th grade to ninth grade, and then um, I got an injury, and I had to quit. But right around that time, I started picking up the guitar again, and we were trying to figure out how to put a band together. But I think it was about a year, year and a half after we started playing where... It would just be me and him jamming, and um, we'd play along with the CDs the best we could and have some fun with it. <laughs> so around that time, I think I was about 14, Mom got another call from Dad uh, stating that he was going to be up in Michigan. And then if you wanted to bring us kids up to see him, he'd put us on the list and we'd be able to get into the afternoon show or something. So mom drove us up there and it was very, very cool. Like, uh, I had just started playing guitar, so there was always this part of me that was like, man, that would be really cool if I could ever do it for a living, but nobody around here ever does anything like that, so... It'll never happen, you know, just never will. But then, 
we went up and saw my dad playing. So I thought, wow, he's doing it. Maybe I can one day. Now, I knew from pictures what he looked like. And uh, there was a few times before that where he would call and say he's going to be on TV. He was on Hee Haw and Austin City Limits a couple times. But even so, when I was there live, you know, part of me was like, wonder which one it is. I mean, because you just never know, right? I mean, I don't know. It was just a, a crazy, crazy thing to think about. That I was beating my dad consciously for the first time as a teenager. And, and I thought it was pretty awesome. They were taking their break and he come down and shook my hand and uh, gave me a hug and introduced the whole band to us. And it was a really, really great experience. And I think it was that following summer, my grandma and grandpa W came and uh, picked up me and my sister. And we went down to Nashville um, for about a week, I think it was, or three or four days or something. And I met uh, a bunch of cousins and I had an uncle there and my aunt and spent some time with dad. It's pretty interesting thinking back on it now because... His roommates were all musicians around town too, you know. So, like, they were telling me, <laughs> they tell, they would talk about stories about putting speakers in rooms and just playing pranks and stuff. And it was pretty, it was pretty neat. So during that whole visit, Dad gave me my first real electric guitar. It was a PVT twenty seven uh, that they made a lot of them in the eighties and. I think uh, they were sponsored by him, so yeah, it was a nice guitar. But when I wanted to start back up, I literally had to start back on that uh, that old acoustic that my mom had bought me when I was nine years old, and it had sat in the closet for four or five years. So the bridge was warped on it, and it uh, the action was super high, and you couldn't hardly play it. And, uh, but I made it work until I didn't have to anymore. <laughs> and after that, uh, we started talking to Dad a little more and more. Until I was about 17, I think. Right around 89, 88, 89. Okay, so I'm going to have to backtrack a little bit to about 11, 12 years old. Now, even before that, when I was real young, my aunt and my uncle would take me to work with them, and uh, I would help them, and my aunt would pay me, and I made a little bit of extra money. Now, occasionally, I would help my stepdad with his paper route stuff, and he would pay me a little bit for that, and then I had a couple of my own paper routes where I'd make a little bit of money that way. But when I was 11 or 12, they bought a brand new push mower. And of course, here comes the deal again. Mom said, look, if you mow our lawn, just mow the lawn every week. Don't, you know, just do it. And then you can use that lawnmower as much as you want. Mom knew a couple of people that needed their lawn mowed. And there was a few of our neighbors that would need their lawn mowed. And so next thing I know, I all of a sudden started having like a little bit of a route, like customers, like every week. And I would tie a rope to that mower and pull it around on my bicycle. 
But, you know, I made a little bit of extra money, and if I wanted something, I just worked harder and saved more and got it, you know? It was just that simple. I paid for my guitar lessons. I had a moped, uh, one of those little Honda Sprees when I was 15. So in Michigan, you could be 15 and actually uh, drive those legally on the streets. You just had to take a test for your license, for a moped license. One day, one of my neighbors, uh, his mom got Bon Jovi tickets. And that was like my first big, huge arena-type concert to go to. So I was all excited about going to the concert, and I was on my moped, and, and the helmet I had on had a little crack in it. And I had my Bon Jovi concert t-shirt on, which said, on the back, it said, We came, we saw, we kicked your ass. And uh, I went flying through the mall parking lot, and I got pulled over. <laughs> the cop was pissed. He's like, If you were 18 years old, I would take your ass to jail, and da 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 I ended up getting a reckless driving ticket on my moped. So to answer for the ticket, I had to go up to Lansing, and Mom had to drive me up there. So I couldn't even drive myself up there to uh, answer for that. And then I had six points on my license, and my insurance was sky high from then on. So for me to even drive a car, I had to have a job (laughs) just to pay for the insurance. So, getting back to the guitar lessons. Like I said before, me and my buddy were uh, trying to put a band together, and um, I had uh, taken lessons from a couple, a few other different people, and well, I just didn't gel with a lot of these guys. So, I ended up uh, just getting guitar magazines most of the time and learning the, learned the tab out of there and. and stuff that way until I met the guitar teacher that uh, was a really really huge influence in my life he was uh, like five years older than me and getting ready to go to MI and I remember like a month or two before that though uh, I was taking guitar lessons from him and then when he came back me and my buddy we were able to be one of his first students so we started back up with lessons again and we started going through the paces you know learning learning all the scales and learning everything that way we started doing ear training and all that stuff and um yeah i really felt like my playing was really improving quite a bit I still didn't practice as near as much as my buddy did, but I was making big improvements too, so it was all good. But see, I kind of had a secret weapon because I had already been playing an instrument, you know, since the fifth grade, so there's a few things that I had under my belt that uh, I guess he felt like he had to compete with. Because <laughs> I found out later on that he would always go up to our guitar teacher and be like, what did Kevin learn last week? And try to learn it. And like, I had no idea that the dude was even trying to compete with me this way. No clue. 
All I was doing was just trying to play music, man. I didn't care about any of that crap. <laughs> so one day it came down to uh, our little reading music packet. Now, all I had to do was figure out how to translate the notes on the page to what was on the guitar. My buddy had to learn it all. <laughs> so, because I already knew the values and all that stuff. So one thing that we'd always do in band is, is um, if we had a hard time with something, we'd clap through it, you know, just to make sure you get the, you got uh, all the values right, like you're, you're holding your, your half notes and quarter notes and all that stuff. So my guitar teacher was like, hey, let's run through a couple of these pages on this and uh, see how you do with it. So in that one lesson, we went through the whole book. And... Uh, yeah, it was pretty fun. <laughs> but I still had to learn how to uh, apply it to guitar. Still, band class, I mean, it was great, you know. It's a shame that these people think that our schools can live without band and some of these extracurricular activities without realizing that, like, it can help build character. It helps build character. You know, it's like, it's not just what's in the book. Well, one day I was in my lesson and uh, my guitar teacher was like, have you ever considered going to a school like I went to? He said, man, I think you'd do really, really great with it. And so I was like, well, yeah, I mean, if I could afford to. But at that time, uh, it was out of the question to be able to do something like that but it was always in the back of my mind it's a pretty incredible thing for for people to actually see something in you that you don't necessarily see in yourself especially being a kid you know I mean I had a few people that knew dad when he was in town and you know, people would be, some some of the guys would be like, well, you want to play guitar? You think you're going to be just like your dad? And just real dumb comments like that. By the time I was able to go to guitar school, I didn't tell anybody about my dad or any of that stuff. I just kept it to myself and tried to make my own way with it the best I could. But I want to spend a little more time talking about that part of my life a little bit later on. Now, there were some things that were happening that I couldn't quite explain. And I really feel the need to talk about it because when I was young, I didn't talk about it. I I thought I was crazy. I literally thought I was cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, you know. So, I guess about a year after I got into playing pretty regular... Like, every single day, I would wake up with a song in my head. Something. Some kind of song. Sometimes it was some, an idea for something, and sometimes it was something that, you know, was on the radio or whatever. And I literally didn't tell anybody about this, because I thought, well, I mean, maybe not at the time, in the very beginning, but later on I thought it, it could be OCD or something like that. that you know, because that's... I mean, we're always taught there's something wrong with us, right? So that was my first instinct, especially back then, because they didn't look at being different 
like they do now, where it's a lot more positive than what it used to be. So I did my best to hide it and to fit in, and there was some pretty weird stuff that was happening to me, though, so... So I'd wake up with a song song in my head every day, every single day, and it's relentless. It never stopped. When I would go to bed, I could lay in my room, lay in my bed, and close my eyes, and find fixed points of light, and like start floating, you know. And I didn't tell anybody, not a soul about that. It was fun for me. It was definitely a way for me to escape. Just before I would fall asleep, I would hear somebody whisper my name all the time. Sometimes I'd have really, really weird dreams. Sometimes I'd have really, really cool dreams. I remember when I was first learning how to transcribe songs by ear. Um, one of the songs was Stairway to Heaven. We were, we were working on those first, the intro on that, the first chords. And I was stuck on it, man. I could not figure out where to go with it next. And I worked on it, and I worked on it, and I worked on it, and I couldn't figure it out. Well, I don't know if I took a nap or I went to bed that night, but I had a dream where I could see my hand actually playing the chords. So when I woke up, I remembered those bits and pieces, and I thought, well, you know, I'll try it. And sure enough, it wasn't perfect. Like, I didn't just wake up and, like, be able to play it, but I was able to work through the the problem I had and figure it out, you know? And once again, I didn't say a word to anybody. Nobody. I just kept that to myself because I didn't want to be labeled as the crazy person. <laughs> so one day, this guy uh, I worked with was like, dude, you are an odd duck. And this was after I was an adult. And I thought, man, I thought I was doing a pretty good job fitting in there. <laughs> but I guess not. Just can't hide it. <laughs> so me and my buddy ended up putting a band together. And we went to play a couple of battle of bands and stuff. And it was pretty cool. But we kind of grew apart. And uh, I started playing in a different band. And it was like a... Well, the band I was playing in the first one was like an 80s rock, you know, like, but not hair rock. Well, no, not really hair rock. It was like Def Leppard and Tesla and stuff like that. Well, the new band was, uh, we were doing like Black Sabbath and Ozzy and Alice Cooper. And it was a little grittier than the, uh, the other stuff I was playing in. And I was having a great time with it. And well... We couldn't find a singer in a small town like that. You, the musicians were hard to come by, so I got the bright idea. Well, hey, if nobody else is going to do it, then I'll just do it. I'll just do it, and I'll figure it out. And so that's what I did. <laughs> Luckily, with that kind of music, you don't have to have, a, you know, an angel's voice to sing it. You can just get by with a little more than grunting, right? <laughs> But it was it was a good learning experience, and I actually learned I learned how to play and sing at the same time, which is really difficult at first, especially. So we'd have our band practice at the guitar player's house, and his dad was uh, a musician too. Um, he was he he worked a day job and and uh, played you know uh, he'd buy a bunch of guitars and played a lot and stuff. And so the other guitar player would just be kind of like, oh, my dad and his weird stuff, you know, that sort of thing. But 
whenever we take a break, I would hear this music upstairs that I'd never heard before. And I kept asking him, I was like, dude, who, what is it? And my buddy would be like, ah, oh, just my dad and his weird stuff, you know, da 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 So after hearing this for a little while, finally I had enough. I went upstairs and I was like, what is that, you know? And he's like, oh, this is Buddy Guy. It's like, who? And he said, this is Buddy Guy, it's the blue stuff, you know, the electric blues. And he started showing me Buddy Guy and B.B. King and uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan and listening to these guys, I was just completely floored. It was like a calling, like it inside my soul calling me to play that kind of music. So I started buying the records. I got rid of all my pointy guitars and I bought a cool non-pointy guitar and would learn songs. I'd take songs into my guitar teacher and we'd learn them and I would go home and practice them and I never felt so at home before in my whole life. Like it, it was just like oh, I finally made it. I finally made home to where, you know, like this place, this magical place that I could live in forever. It absolutely changed my life completely i never looked at music the same way ever again so even after playing different kinds of styles throughout the years i always come back home to the electric blues it just it's home and it fills my soul now i've had people say well why you like listening to that sad stuff all the time? But to me, it's not sad. It's just, it's pure joy. Like, it's like, it fills me up, man. It's like flying, you know? It just, it's just, yeah, sure, the words might say sad stuff, but inside I feel whole. And it's a great outlet when you are feeling crappy. Like, you got, you can just exude raw emotion. Just raw emotion. It's just a wonderful thing. So looking back on it now, I've got to say that I'm very grateful for the way things had turned out, especially back then. Well, I think this might be a good place to end it this week. I did do a new background music soundtrack having a lot of fun with that trying to come up with something that's kind of cool and uh, if you guys have any questions comments or concerns feel free to reach out to me I will gladly contact you back anyway I hope you all have a wonderful week thank you very much for spending a little bit of time with me and I'm looking forward to having you for the next one thank you